Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Okay, today is Monday, the 11th of October. Got a couple of good stories here showing you the uh, state of affairs. Also showing you the people who need prayer really, really bad. Really, really bad. First thing uh, we should be doing here is being aware of and if you're so inclined to pray for our Supreme Court and uh, then making the right decision, there's a couple of religious liberty cases on the docket for the Supreme Court's return that may affect you and me. So they're expected to come and return and grapple with some religious liberty cases ranging from transgender rights to religious ads on public transit to abortion when justices return to the bench today on Monday, the 11th. The court has accepted a few such cases for review with decisions on whether to hear appeals in other cases. Now, the court's acceptance of some of these cases could make the term a blockbuster for religious liberty, or it could destroy it. So here's the first thing here. In Montana, there's a case, Espinosa versus Montana Department of Revenue. The state legislator established a program in 2015 that gives tax credits to Montana residents who provide supplemental funding to public schools or donate the scholarship funds to send children to private schools including those that are religiously affiliated. But the Department of Revenue determined the program violated the Montana Constitution by aiding religious schools and adopted a rule that excluded them. So three parents filed suit. They challenged that rule And they won a decision in their favor, but the state Supreme Court reversed the ruling. And the state Supreme Court said the program violates the Constitution's, quote, stringent prohibition on aid to sectarian schools. So then the parents appealed to the Supreme Court. So... The case, they say, is about school choice, and the plaintiffs are seeking to affirm the principle that excluding eligible participants from a neutral government program simply because they are religious violates the Constitution. They say school choice is a win-win. 
parents select the program that best suits their educational plan for their kids. Taxpayers save the money that public schools would otherwise have to spend on their children. So we'll see what happens there. Um, They're going to review that case. Okay. The other one here coming up is transgender and gay rights. On Tuesday, the Supreme Court scheduled to hear arguments in the case of a transgender employee who was fired from a Detroit area funeral home after informing the owner of plans to transition from male to female and begin dressing as a woman. So the funeral home owner, his name is Thomas Rost, he dismissed that employee who Uh, His name is Anthony Stevens, and then he decided to go by Amy Stevens. And he dismissed Anthony for violating the business dress code, which required men to wear a suit. He also argues that as a devout Christian who interprets the Bible as teaching that gender is immutable, he would be violating God's commands if a man presented himself as a woman while representing the company. Now it's his company, right? So the question before the justices in uh, in this case, it it has to do with the title Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which protects people against discrimination based on their gender identity. Uh, the court also will hear arguments that day in two other cases. Um, And those are about protections of men who allege they were fired from their jobs for being gay. There is the Alliance Defending Freedom is representing the funeral home owner. And he says the common original understanding of the term sex means the objective biological categories of male and female Title VII's ban on sex discrimination forbids businesses from treating employees of one sex better than employees of the other sex. And that's true. This has been around since 1964. You can't discriminate against men while treating women better or discriminate against women treating men better. It has nothing to do with men wanting to be women or women wanting to be men. But... They're, they're also arguing that the decision of whether to amend the title to include sexual orientation and gender identity should be left to Congress, not unelected government bureaucrats or judges. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that one because that's going to make a big difference on how they, how they rule on that one. Uh, this, this last one's about free speech. This is a big one also. There's... <laughs> this this one is a First Amendment challenge to a policy prohibiting religious advertisements on buses. Apparently, the Archdiocese of Washington <laughs> uh, filed suit. It's Washington versus Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. Yeah, they didn't like religious advertisements on bus lines. In another free speech case, Price versus City of Chicago, the petitioners who engage in sidewalk counseling, quote unquote, you know, street evangelism, (laughs) 
are targeting a law that creates a bubble zone around abortion clinics. The ordinance prohibits people from coming within a 50-foot radius of the entrance of an abortion clinic or other medical facility or closer than eight feet to someone else, quote, for the purpose of passing a leaflet or handbill to displaying a sign or to engaging in oral protest education or counseling with such a person. So in other words, you can't even talk to them. So the bill is is saying you got to stay 50 foot away from an abortion clinic or medical facility. Or you got to stay. You can't get closer than eight feet away. So, um, yeah, so that's a big thing. Other cases involved a florist who declined to make a flower arrangement for a same-sex wedding. There were teachers who were fired or not rehired for failing to meet the standards at religious schools. A Seventh-day Adventist who says his employer failed to accommodate his Sabbath observance and a student and her parents who alleged school district's lessons about Muslims violated the First Amendment's bar against government establishment of religion. So anyway, that's just a few few goodies coming up, right? So if you're so inclined, pray for the Supreme Court there, okay? Okay, here we go. First story, crazy story, (laughs) is that of... South Carolina, a resident is fleeing a South Carolina house fire. And as he was fleeing the house fire, he was grabbed and tossed back inside the house that was on fire by the man who actually set the blaze. So that's a whole new twist on arson. This guy intentionally ignited the flames at a home last week in Florence County. He knew the resident was in the burning house when he lit the house on fire. At one point after the fire started, the victim had escaped and then this guy caught him and then threw him back inside before leaving. Uh, The resident was not killed. He was taken to the hospital with significant burns. And apparently before the fire started, these two were arguing. The arsonist and the attempted murder suspect uh, being held without bail for that. Um, Yeah. So crazy stuff. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you get to that point of, of crazy? And um, I don't think it's very hard to do. Just depends on who you yield to. Now, here's a story I don't believe at all. I, I don't believe at all. You you can believe it if you like. I'm not going to bag on you if you want to believe it. And you won't bag on me if I choose not to believe it. It's just our choice of what we believe and what we don't. Uh, but because it's my show, I'm going to say what I don't believe. And this is from the digitaltrends.com. It says, China grows a cotton plant on the far side of the moon in a biological first. Now we can't even see the far side of the moon. We can't even see it. But apparently the Chinese are up there in a rover growing cotton. Uh, Yeah. Now we can't, 
we can't invent a garden hose that doesn't kink, right? Uh, we can't invent a battery that doesn't need to be replaced. Smoke detectors beep every year because you got to replace the, the battery. Your car battery goes down. But we have a Tesla floating around Mars. And now we got Chinese growing cotton on the far side of the moon. So I guess we told our big lie to the world that we went to the moon. And now they said, hey, it's our turn to just say whatever we want to say. So this article says China has broken new lunar ground, successfully growing cotton on the moon for the first time. The experiment was part of the Change 4 project in which China is exploring the far side of the moon with a lander. This is the same lander that recently discovered a mysterious gel-like substance on the moon's surface. <laughs> the cotton plant was one of several organisms encased in a mini biosphere. It just weighed like five pounds. And it had um, a pressure of one atmosphere, which was aboard the lander. The organisms experienced an environment largely similar to that on Earth. However, they did have to contend with both space radiation and microgravity. Oh, and then they have a picture, but the picture is a 3D reconstruction showing cotton leaves growing within China's Change 4 lander on the far side of the moon. It is a 3D reconstruction. It's not a picture of it on the far side of the moon. In an interview with some magazine, the uh, project leader for the experiment <laughs> explained more about the challenges of growing plants in a restricted environment. Oh my God, it just gets weirder and weirder. Uh, in the end, the team selected five species of biological organisms to send to the moon. Cotton seeds, potato seeds, dos piso seeds, yeast, and fruit fly eggs. Fruit fly eggs. In California, they spray for fruit flies, but now the Chinese are going to take them to the moon and let them eat all the fruit on the moon. Most of these died quickly, but the cotton seeds sprouted and uh, grew. Not one, but two leaves. Although plants have been grown on the International Space Station before, this experiment marks the first time a plant has been grown on the moon. See, so America, we were the first to walk on the moon. The Chinese are the first to grow cotton on the moon. So if you believe that, um, I would suggest you uh, go to PayPal and donate some money to, to me at Fifth Hook, and I will send you uh, a certificate that's good for uh, a weekend on Mars uh, in the near future when it comes up, all paid expenses by Fifth Hook Media. Just send me $100, and I will send you a certificate uh, for a weekend on Mars uh, to be announced, okay? So, if you believe there's cotton on the moon grown by Chinese, please send me the money. And I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to be right back. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. 
we wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Pit, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. Here I am. I'm back. Now, this one is this is a little bizarre. You got to pray for this guy. <laughs> oh, and the gal who got assaulted, too. What's going on here? Um, these young people are out of control. This, uh, they say the groom has charged a groom, right? On his, he's going to get married. He's charged with sexually assaulting his wife's bridesmaid before the wedding. There's a problem here. A groom is facing sexual assault charges after investigators say he forced himself on his wife to be's bridesmaid. Mm. Uh, they were having a wedding party. They were celebrating before the nuptials at a resort. Uh, there's pictures that a neighbor took showed that this guy named Daniel Carney and his now wife as a happy couple. Now, investigators in Monroe County say it was the events leading up to the wedding that led to sexual assault charges for allegedly forcing himself on his wife's bridesmaid. The court's paper show the victim told police the assault happened at the Shawnee Inn at the Smithfield Township on August 30th as the wedding party and friends were celebrating the couple's upcoming wedding. According to the court papers, the group spent the day drinking alcohol. And they became very drunk. Methinks, methinks that's the reason why this happened. At the end, um, where they were staying, she blacked out and she woke up to find herself in the men's locker room. And uh, Carney, the, the groom, was fondling her and her bikini top or bottom had been removed. Police said the assault stopped when the bride came into the locker room. That's never good. And then it led to a physical fight between the bride and the groom. So this is a lovely couple. And uh, they're now married. And, and hopefully for the rest of us, they're going to breed and have children. And uh, release those children uh, onto the world with the rest of us. So that's going to be a good thing. Police said a review of surveillance video from the from the inn shows Carney pulling a woman into the locker room. She appears to be extremely unsteady on her feet because she's drunk. Um, the investigators have permission to listen in on a call between Carney and the victim. They said during the call, Carney repeatedly told her he was sorry, uh, specifically saying it was all his fault. And he admitted to the investigators that he took advantage of the woman. So I'll give him that. At least he admitted it. And a friend of Carney said the couple did get married in spite of all this and his assaulting the bridesmaid and getting into a physical fight. They got married anyway. Yeah. So 
very, very happy ending. We, we wish him the best, do we not? Okay, here's a couple of guys here that, uh, I don't know if they need prayer or psychiatric help or just, you know, I don't know. This is Florida. Uh, this guy's accused of enticing an alligator to bite his arm. And then he poured beer down the alligator's mouth. <laughs> this is, well, after a friend had caught the alligator. This guy's 27 years old. Uh, and, and his buddy who caught the alligator's 22. Um, wow. Apparently it's a felony to take an alligator. So each are charged with felony alligator napping. But uh, they got a complaint about this guy holding an alligator and enticing the reptile to bite his right forearm. And then he poured beer in the animal's mouth. Wow. After the beer was poured, I guess they videoed this whole thing. The alligator aggressively reacts. So the, the reptile doesn't like Bud Light or Coors Light or anything like that. I'm sure they weren't drinking anything above a Bud or a Coors product. I'm pretty sure just by looking at the picture, I could make that assumption. Uh, the interaction was filmed. Uh, and then, so the officers saw it. I guess someone dimed these guys off. They went to the house and um, where the dude admitted he was the guy in the video. His buddy had caught the alligator with his bare hands. <laughs> and after his buddy had caught the alligator, his friend says he enticed the alligator to bite him and then he poured beer in his mouth. They did release the alligator without hurting it after that. Uh, and here's the deal. He told the officers he only had a couple of beers, but he wasn't drunk when the incident happened. I kind of doubt that. I, I, I really seriously doubt it. There was a female friend there when the incident happened. And I think she's the one who dined him off. Um, yeah. So anyway, they got, uh, oh, their bail, their bond was $5,000 and $2,500 respectively for uh, messing with a gator, trying to get the gator drunk. Gator didn't want to be drunk. This is where these stories pop up now and then, not all the time, but now and then they pop up. Cattle mutilation. What is it? You tell me. I don't know. This is a Reese one, uh, October 8th. Not one drop of blood. Cattle mysteriously mutilated in Oregon. You see the picture of this thing? It just looks like a sack of um, hide. You know, like cattle. There's a cow, but it's just like a sack of flesh. It's really, really weird looking. In the early morning light, uh, these ranchers found their cattle. I think there's like five of them. Five young purebred bulls mysteriously showed up dead on the ranch, drained of blood and with body parts precisely moved. Uh, they don't know what's going on. Uh, coming upon one of the dead bulls is an eerie scene, they say. The force is hot, still apart from a raven's repeating caw. It's silent. Uh, and it's true. It looks like a giant deflated plush toy. They say it smells. Weirdly, there are no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers. The red coat is as shiny as if it was going to the fair. 
but it's bloodless and his tongue and genitals have been surgically cut out. Um, these five bulls are young livestock. They were reaching their top value as breeding bulls. They're worth about six grand each. And since they were breeding bulls, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of future calves were lost too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're all, these cowboys that are out there are kind of freaked out. They're all armed to the teeth and everything. They, they said, you know, it's frontier out there. And they, they say if some person or persons has the ability to take down a 2,000 pound range bull, it's not inconceivable that they wouldn't have a lot of problems dealing with a 180 pound cowboy. And I have to agree. So the sheriffs, the Harney County Sheriffs is involved in the case. And um, here's what they say. A lot of people lean towards the aliens. One caller had told us to look for basically a depression under the carcass because he said the alien ships will kind of beam the cow up and do whatever they're doing with it. And then they just drop them down again. So the sheriff says the cases have been tough with little evidence and no credible leads. Uh, he says, he says, what's clear? They don't understand what's causing it. He says, but what is clear is that it isn't bears, wolves, cougars, or poisonous plants, nor were the animals shot. So it goes on and talks about these uh, different animals that are found out there. But sometimes that pops up and it's popped up again. I don't know what it is. Who knows what's going on? It's very strange. Okay, so... Here we go. This is uh, it's time for the way things ought to be. This is the one good story uh, sent to me by my friend Juan, and uh, they're hard to find. So this is this is a real treasure when you find these. This is from WesternJournal.com, and it says, "Single mom of four left stranded for hours after her car dies, and then a stranger knocks on the window." It's kind of a cool story. Uh, this is a young mother. I don't know. She's, she's young. She's probably in her 30s. She's got one, two, three, at least three or four little young girls. Um, Frank Somerville is an anchor for K2VU News. He asked for people to send in their inspirational stories. And he got a lot of emails. But this story of a young mother with four girls really touched his heart. And so he shared it on Facebook. This young woman is named Tawny Nelson. Tawny Nelson. She's a single mom of four. She has four little girls, really cute little girls. And she shared her story in a letter to uh, Somerville. She explained how she had been going through a really tough time since her ex uh, left her. He left her high and dry with four girls that are nine, five, two, and one that's only six weeks old. The man up and left her. And he left her with a broken truck that's in bad shape. The tires always go flat. It needed a new alternator belt. The driver's window would not roll down. And the girl said she never drove the truck unless it was absolutely necessary. But one evening, she was desperate for food for her little babies. So she had to make a trip to the market, only nine blocks away. But as she loaded the girls back into the truck with the groceries, after completing their shopping and it was raining hard and it was dark 
She turned the key in the ignition, but the car, the truck would not start. Here's why. One of the little babies, one of the little girls had accidentally left the light on. Now her battery was dead. Her phone was also disconnected. She has no family to speak of there and she was totally on her own. So she stepped out in the pouring rain. She asked people to help and she said she was just ignored, ignored by everybody. She said no one stopped and acknowledged her situation. She says they all ignored me, not even a no. They just acted like I didn't exist. Boy, that's a sad world we're in, right? Her three youngest children were in different stages of breaking down and their cries mingled as the precious nine-year-old did her best to help out. Finally, Nelson, the mother, just broke down and began to sob. She couldn't take it no more. She says, I was bawling. I felt like the worst mom ever. But then something amazing happened. There was a knock on the car window. And she opened her door to find an older man with a plate of hot food and water bottles from the store. And he says, feed those babies and yourself, young lady. I have a tow truck on the way and my wife will be here shortly to take y'all home. The next morning, the older fella arrived at Nelson's home with a mechanic to fix her truck. He repaired the alternator belt, the window and replaced the battery. As he was leaving, she asked if she could pay him in installments, and the mechanic smiled at her and said the bill was paid in full by the older gentleman. Apparently, the Good Samaritan had mentioned that the only payment he requested was that Nelson, quote, never give up and keep being an amazing mom, end of quote. Nelson broke down, bawling her eyes out, sobbing over the care and concern of the man, who so generously provided for her. I've never cried so hard in my life. And she says, and without knowing us or our situation, this kind man helped us in ways he will never know. What he did revived my faith when I was falling apart, but he wouldn't even take a hug. Nelson experienced a guardian angel here on earth that she will never forget. This act of kindness even inspired Somerville. Someday I'm going to do something like that, Somerville ended his post. I can just feel it, and it's going to make me so happy. This is such a good reminder for all of us to not ignore what is happening around us, but be a blessing to someone now. So that's kind of cool. That is a very good story, something you don't hear all the time. So that's it, folks, uh, for Freedom Friday. Hope you have a good weekend. And uh, we'll catch you on Monday, Lord willing. Good night.
hope that you will save.